Welcome to the Outdoor Ed Podcast. I am Matt Mascarinas. Huge show today. It is our first show in the Hunt Series, the new Hunt Series here at Outdoor Ed, and uh, really excited about it. I am joined by Nate Zielinski. And uh, if you don't know who Nate Zielinski is, he is a Western big game hunter, pro angler, and uh, just a great resource for education and uh, tips, tricks, uh, whatever you want to call it. What, whatever you're looking to get into, he's done it. He's got into it. And uh, he's a good buddy of mine. I've known him for some time now. And a great resource. Just a great resource to have here in the Rocky Mountain region. And today we talk turkey. Really excited about this show because turkeys have been kicking my butt the past couple seasons. And um, I'm a relatively new turkey hunter, so great uh, information from Nate here. So without further ado... Here is Nate Zielinski talking turkey with me. I, I talk to a lot of people, and they always tell me that turkey hunting is very similar to elk hunting. Would you would you would you say that that's the case? Yeah, I mean it's similar in the fact you're hunting a local animal, you're hunting an animal that has a daily migration. Um, so yeah, I mean there, there's definitely similarities, and there's everything that, uh, that that's not the same. So yeah, I mean it's a totally different hunt, but. It's, in the regards to uh, the closest animals because of the vocal aspect, definitely, uh, you have that. But I'll tell you what, um, you know, for an elk, you know, being a mature animal, obviously they have a big brain, we get some credit. For an animal that has a brain the size of a pea, um, there's no doubt, like you said, turkeys are incredibly smart or weary or whatever word you want to use to describe their uh, relentless efforts to stay alive. Um, for birds, uh, you know, again, it's a bird, its brains the size of a pea. Um, they're hard to kill. And we always say that if a turkey could smell, it would be impossible to kill. And it's the truth. Um, you know, for, for an animal that on some aspects is so easy to, to harvest, on the other aspects is it's very hard to harvest. So it, it's a neat animal to chase. Right, right. That's that's kind of what I what I what I've noticed is I, I go out there and I mean and, and we're gonna get into some of the things the tactics you use to go chase turkeys but but from my point my, my point of view I always get I always get get busted I always get they I never knew their eyesight would be as good as it is and like you said if they could smell holy cow so getting it going in the season getting getting I always like to get prepared I always like to get my mindset going whether it's later in the year or I'm getting right to where the season's going to begin and, and we start turkey here here in a, in a week or so we'll start up a, a turkey season here in Colorado now we we do talk a lot about Rocky Mountain stuff but Nate and I both live in uh, Colorado so we spend a lot of our time hunting turkey hunting turkeys here in Colorado um, what are some of the things that uh, that you like to do? to get prepared for the season? Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of things that go into it. Yeah, that's, that's a loaded question. I hunt both plains. You know, I'll go to Kansas here and turkey hunt. Might go to, go to Nebraska, and then I'll hunt these Rocky Mountain birds. And we hunt Colorado. We have birds on the plains. It's very traditional to, uh, you know, to an open land hunt. And we have our mountain birds. It's a totally different hunt. Um, you know, so as far as being prepared, yeah, the, the sky is really endless. I mean, there's a million things that you can do to be prepared, not be prepared. It really depends on, on how early you want to start. I mean, the, the two things that we talk about, we talk about being prepared with gear, and we talk about being prepared actually in field. So, you know, the, the really things you should have done a month ago, um, if you're choosing to, to hunt with a shotgun, you know, you need to make sure that your patterns are good. And this sounds so simple, and everybody preaches this. You, as a turkey hunter, most people know they need to check their patterns, know their shot capabilities. But yet, if you actually talk to people, they don't do it. Like, you know you should, 
but yet it doesn't happen. Yeah? So you want to know, you know, if you put a, a three-inch circle, if you're going to take that headshot. If you put a three-inch circle at 40 yards and you take a shot, you're going to have a minimum of four to five BBs hit that center of that, that three to four inch circle. And people don't realize at 40, 50 yards how wide open uh, a choke tube and a choke pattern can be on those pellets. So, you know, long before the season, number one, checking your, your choke, making sure that when you get that shot, um, you're very, very lethal with that shot. So that's your number one thing. Uh, you know, then you're checking calls. You want to make sure that in the and perform your calls with minimal movement. You can get the sound you want. You know, when the turkey's long ways off, you want to be loud. As that bird gets close, you want to be able to quiet it up. And so many of our hunters aren't versatile. They, they have one one sound, and it's loud or it's quiet, whatever the case may be. But you want to make sure that you can match those tones. So those are things I do well before the season starts. And then obviously, you know, what do I do to get prepared? Scouting is everything. If anybody follows me for deer, any big game, scouting's everything. And I think the the biggest mistake that the turkey hunter makes in Colorado is they're hunting where there's no turkeys. So scouting to make sure that you can practice the right techniques actually where you have birds. So making sure that you're on birds is probably the biggest step in pre- preparation, like right now, before the season actually starts. Okay. Yeah, I've I've uh, I've spent time on the, I haven't hunted plain or uh, mountain birds yet, but I spent a lot of time on the plains. And like you said, scouting is one of those things that I've noticed that, that I think I've been unsuccessful is, is not hunting where there's no birds or hunting where I've seen birds in the past, but they totally change. I've seen birds on river bottoms, so I'll hunt river bottoms. And then when I'm going to my, my area or my spot where I'm going to hunt, I run into birds out in the middle of, of, of a field, of a, of a big CRP field just, just out there. And I, I don't know why they're out there. So I, I didn't spend enough time in that area trying to scout that area to figure out where they're at. So scouting is a big, a big important thing. And like you said, it goes with anything. Scouting is huge, huge, huge. So going in, going in with that, you mentioned shotguns. And not a lot of people talk about shot or, or getting, getting a, a good with um, uh, their patterns. And, and there's people out here. I mean, there's the, the big methods of take that we got are shotguns and, and with archery. Now, when it comes to archery hunting, you kind of covered shotguns. When it comes to archery hunting, what are some of the things that you're looking for to prepare for now? Are, are, are you, because some, some people use different broadheads and, uh, and for, for, uh, for turkeys, some people yep. don't. Is that kind of some things you do that you kind of uh, dial in your broadheads? Dial Absolutely. Like no, and we should talk about both of them. Let's talk about shotgun and bow. Okay. So let's start with the shotgun to touch base on that. So when you're patterning a shotgun for a turkey hunt, you have two options. Um, I mean, ideally, you to use four-shot lead, which is like a legal Colorado shot for turkey. You know, you're going to hopefully get a turkey round that's high velocity. It's really built to kill turkeys. Uh, but with that being said, you either build your distance capabilities around the equipment that you have or you select your shooting capabilities um you know by and you, and you purchase a choke tube to do that so you either right now let's say you take the shotgun you have at your house let's say you put in you know whatever choke tube that you're comfortable shooting that modified tube or, or whatever you're planning on hunting with put in that turkey load get a cardboard box draw that three inch circle Shoot it at 30 yards. Go count your BB. Shoot it at 40 yards. And the second you start getting the point where you're not consistently putting multiple BBs in that three-inch circle, that's how you know your distance. So you can say, hey, after four shots, I know that I cannot shoot further than 40 yards or 20 yards, whatever the case may be. So, I mean, it'll, it'll shock you 
sometimes how poor some of these choke tubes are. So yeah. that's how you're going to judge your distance. Now, let's say you're the guy that with the, the, the shotgun that you're shooting and the choke tube that you have, you know, you're at that 25 yard Say, hey, I know that I, I want to be able to shoot this bird he's out in the field at 40 yards. So if your shot is not performing the distance that you want, now you're going to start putting in different choke tubes. And they make some unbelievable you know, choke tubes to have a tighter pattern and a greater distance. Um, so now you're going to go purchase it. And some of them, there's very affordable ones. You can spend a lot of money on them. But you can buy a choke tube to give you those extended capabilities to where now – you can reach out there to that 35, 40 yards extended. So shoot your gun and and really either limit yourself on distance or buy the right equipment and build a turkey gun to shoot the distance that you need to uh, to have those capabilities. So again, a lot goes into it. Again, nothing is is creating people in this world. Again, it's it's not shooting a flying bird. I mean, a lot of times you're sitting there, you know, on a rest on your knee. You can really dial in with a turkey. So make sure that you know those capabilities to where you have that success. And again, you know, a headshot big deal. Their their wing structure, their bone, their their feathers. Um, I mean, they're a stout animal. You know, you blast them in the body like a lot of people do. Um, they can withstand quite a hit. So you really are neck head yeah. um, you know again when you look at that head it's small so make sure that you can uh, you can break down that bird quickly um and then you flip to the archery equipment and your know, number one thing with archery more than we talk about heads and things like that your struggle point with archery equipment is getting your bow drawn back with those incredible eyes so all of a sudden when you throw in the aspect of hunting these animals and archery equipment now you're going to limit yourself to usually having to hunt inside of a blind simply for the fact that it is so hard to not be in a blind or tree stand um, and get your bow drawn back on these birds. So, you know, the traditional when you sit next to a tree, prop the shotgun up on your lap, call quietly, you can get away with that being wide open with good camo um, and get the bird in and get the, the bird shot. But with archery equipment, it's that final stage of drawing that usually crushes you in the average turkey hunt. Now, there's times where you can sit behind a big fan, you know, maybe the a massive decoy. We, I did that in Kansas last year. We had oversized fans, big three foot fans of like a fanning turkey. Mm-hmm. Um, and we hit behind those and we're able to draw our bow back and then creep up. Um, and there were situations where we got the shot off. Um, but generally speaking, you're, you're number one planning on hunting in a blind, which if you're hunting the plains, a lot of times we get a little bit more patterns on birds. We know where they roost. We know where they're going to come to field. And you can set up that blind you know, well before light and you can have a plan. As opposed to the mountain birds, Generally speaking, I'm not saying all the time, but generally speaking, you don't have near as good of a pattern. Um, so it's really hard to, uh, to figure out where you want to set up that blind. And it kind of throws a whole kink into the system, having the mountain birds with archery of it. But it's a fun challenge. Um, once you figure out how you're going to draw that bow back, then you start thinking about your, your options. Now, every archer's dream is to use a little broad, and it was a big craze back in the day. It's not as popular now, but everybody wants to use a gobbler guillotine, and they want to whack off the head of a turkey. Um, it's hard. I mean, number one, having having three and four inch blades coming off of a broadhead uh, makes for about the worst arrow flight in the entire world. Then the other aspect is most of us have arrows cut that go just ahead of our riser, um, you know, give us the option of a faster and better arrow flight. With the gobbler guillotine, it usually hits your sight. So the gobbler guillotine, you're having to shoot a full length arrow, and that broadhead is extended well in front of your sight. Um, so it throws everything out of the way. Your shot capabilities, um, 
are usually right around 10 yards with that type of thing. So in the right situation, very, very patterned birds, it's nice. In the real world, uh, you know, you're probably going to be shooting a little further off there, um, and you have options to shoot a traditional broadhead or an expandable. Um, an expandable will do more devastation, so we a lot of times really encourage people um, to shoot an expandable. Now, for big game, I'm not an expandable guy. There's yeah. too much room for failure going turkeys. Uh, oftentimes, you can get it done. So a big fan of an expandable turkey because, again, it opens up more. It cuts more. I mean, the heart of a turkey is like the size of a golf ball. So it's narrow, long, narrow. Um, you know, these turkeys, oftentimes, you can smoke them. Um, but if you don't hit them right, they have the capabilities of running and flying. Um, and they don't really bleed because of their feathers. So it's unbelievable how you can wall up a turkey um, and lose them very quickly. And I had a situation last year where I I really struggled with that. I was using uh, a crossbow in a Kansas hunt, mm-hmm. uh, and it was going through these birds so fast. Um, I mean, the, the turkeys were, were at a vital state, and we just couldn't recover them because I wasn't dropping them because the, the, the arrow was going through them so fast. So mm-hmm. it's one of those things that on that turkey – you know, if you your ideal goal is to break them down. Generally speaking, I'm shooting at a high hip, um, which for a lot of people are trying to hit those vitals. The vitals are so small. If you hit the vitals, the bird is just flat out done. But I'm hitting high hip, and it just breaks them down. They can't run. They can't start running to take off flying. Um, so it, it just breaks the bird down, and they're sitting there right in front of you. Um, so, again, we, we encourage expandable head because it's going to really break down the bird more. The only thing I always say is accuracy is everything. So right now, most of the people listening to this have a broad head that flies well through their bow. So if you are very accurate with a fixed broad head, the normal broad head you would elk hunt with, deer hunt with, if you know you're accurate with that, I would rather see people use a fixed head that's accurate rather than having to build an entire turkey barrel. Because again, even if you have an expandable that hits hard, if you're not accurate with that head, a lot of times it's not going to do you any good. So accuracy is everything. That's what we always preach at Bowtech. Accuracy is the world. Um, so again, I would rather see accuracy over anything else. So shoot what you're comfortable with or you can break down that hip to where if you want to take that final shot, you can do so. Um, you want to shoot the head, you can do so. Uh, so make sure that accuracy is everything. In, in the ideal world, you can mine accuracy with an expandable um, and you can break down that burden and have a successful hunt. Right, okay. Yeah, I, I always hear and I, I read because I'm I, I'm trying to learn learn as much as I can and I read and, and you hear everybody build an arrow or build something for turkey hunting and you really can go out and do it with the gear you have. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, a turkey again, it's a bird. The biggest thing is knowing your capabilities, understanding the the situation, um, and there's no doubt. I mean, you know, a lot of us, you know, whether it's your first turkey, your twentieth turkey, it gets exciting. You get that big gobbler strutting up and gobbling in front of you. And everybody tends to push the envelope. We all know, hey, my shot capability is X, Y, Z, and you know, the, the animal, the bird, whatever, is always. 10% out of that range and you have to be the, the hunter you know, and the conservationist to say no that's not right I gotta wait till it's right um, so that's really what it is you know if you don't you don't want to adapt you don't want to get the gear maybe built for it just know your capabilities know what your gear is doing um, and just hunt hard enough to get in that right situation to where you can pull it off of your gear fantastic uh, you, you mentioned you mentioned mountain birds and and plains birds Let's let's kind of focus on mountain birds. You you said that they're kind of hard. They, they don't pattern as well as you as the plains bird 
plain birds were, were would. So is that kind of a sense, a time where you would kind of go in with a spot and stock kind of kind of deal, or do you glass for birds? Is that kind of is that kind it, of you know it's it's a nightmare to be honest with you. I'm, I'm going to take my hat off right now to, to everybody that's killed a true hardcore mountain bird. Um, it's cool, man. It's an accomplishment. <laughs> so you know, I, I know not that every turkey runs in the or, or you know roosts in the same tree all the time. Uh, even on the plains, whatever they bounce around. Yeah. But we definitely see our birds roosting in different areas very often in the mountains, so you can't quite count on it. We also, once they hit the ground, um, they really tend to wander a little bit more than, than normal. Now, everybody knows there's no patterns to turkeys. You, know, you definitely see them on the eastern plains where they'll hit the same field. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, you know, they love to throw a, throw a key. They, they kind of mix it up, but it just seems like the mountain birds don't follow near as good of a pattern, really throwing it out of whack. Uh, that, that makes it really tough to, to build a pattern and know where they hunt. So for me personally, when I'm hunting a mountain bird, uh, especially with archery equipment, where let's say I want to have that blind set up, or even without a shotgun, I want to have time to set up my decoys. Um, for me, I unfortunately I make it a, a a bit more of an experience. I know that I always try to make things easy as possible. The last thing I want to do is tell everybody listening they have to keep their life to turkey. And I, I, I try to make it easy as possible. But in a perfect world, as a turkey hunter, you will go out in the evening and you will put these birds to rest. You'll put them in their roost. So you'll go out in the evening, hike around. You can anticipate these birds roosting um, you know, in a good roost tree, usually up on a hill. Um, so you're going to hopefully figure out where these birds are roosting. They're going to gobble like mad. Um, once they get up there, you know, and they're, and they're getting ready to roost and the second they hit that tree and they feel safe. So you're going to hear a, a, a boosted or elevated amount of gobbling once they're, once it's that roost time. So once these animals are, you know, where they're going to roost for the night, you can pinpoint them. So you're ideally going to go out in the evening, find birds, know where they're roosting. And then throw in the digital capabilities. You're going to jump on Google Earth. You're going to jump on Onyx. And you're going to try to figure out where these animals are going. Once that bird in the morning jumps out of his tree, which direction is he going to go? And you're going to put yourself in those situations. Now, I don't like to get too close to the roost. Mm-hmm. Um, I, mean, I know guys that literally go and sit dang near under the tree. And that bird jumps down and he's in your lap. And you're, and you're you know immediate success um i've a lot of times spooked the birds off sneaking in there uh but i'm a huge fan of getting that 150 200 yards away so i'll know right where that bird's roosting if i heard it the night before i'll sneak in super stealth super early in the morning um i'll go in there and again hopefully through digital capabilities i'll look at that roost tree and say hey you know i feel that yesterday he walked up this valley i know we have good you know you know good food for this bird that's seeds, insects. They love grasshoppers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so here's where this bird is, is going to be. Maybe here's some water, whatever the case may be. And I try to line myself up to where you know, my blind, my decoy, or just you know, an interception point to where I'm, you know, 150 yards away from that roost tree, and I think he's coming my way. Uh, so that way, in the morning, once he starts gobbling, I'm like, all right, I know I'm in position. I know he's, he's gobbling from his roost. You hear them jump out of the tree. Um, and I, I don't call immediately when they hit the ground. I let them naturally start talking a little bit. Um, and again, once they start talking, less is more. Less calling than they need to. You know, mo- so many people have a good thing going and they over talk. It's kind of like a first date. You know, <laughs> you don't want to over talk. Don't give right. up too much. Right. So. 
you know, talking less than more, get them coming your way, and, and that's the a sheer pattern for success. Um, you know, because again, everything's lined up. If the guys that go out in the morning, uh, you know, you're trying to find them why they're losing, you're trying to rush to where that is, you don't quite know the direction they're going, um, and not that it can't be done. Like, trust me, I've hunted a million of them, you know, where I didn't locate them that, that morning of, or until that morning of. But the perfect world. You, you roost them up at night, know right where they're at, figure out where they're going, line yourself up, um, and, and intercept them as they get out of that roost tree. And that's the, that's the, the perfect, you know, formula for success. And, and when you, when you, you talk about calls, uh, what's, what's kind of your, your go-to call? You, you got, you got read calls, you got box calls, pot calls. Um, that, did I miss one? Is there another one? That... Yeah, man, there, there's a million. You know, the biggest thing is you guys got slates, you got boxes, you got yeah. knives. Those are your three biggest calls you're going to use as a turkey hunter. Um, with that being said, I mean, if you are capable of doing a good turkey call with a diaphragm, that's the perfect world because you can make the noise with no movement. So whether you're outside, even in a blind, your hands are free. So you can have your hand on your shoulder. You can have your hand on your bow. So you can really be prepared for that opportunity. So a diaphragm is always going to be the, the ultimate way to go. With that being said, um, it's harder to make the, the real crisp noises out of a diaphragm. I would say some noises are very easy out of a diaphragm, and some noises are very tough out of a diaphragm. Um, my second favorite clue would be a slate. Um, you know, you get a good slate. It's fairly easy to learn how to do it. You're doing little, you know, three-quarter C's. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a little bigger C than you do if you're writing it by hand. Um, and you can get some great sounds. Um, you know, whether you're using a slate or a glass or anything. That um, you're making a lot of noise. I love getting good with glass. I can do it even if it's wet, even if it's rainy. I still make noise with my, my good glass hole. Mm-hmm. Um, but a slate is going to give you optimal sound, crisp, clean. Um, but again, it's two-handed operation. One hand holding the slate, one hand holding you know, your, your instrument. So again, it's, it's hard. That bird's coming in, and like, the second you call to pick up that gun, you know, that bird can get weary. Uh, but again, it's going to be the, the optimal for noise uh, and sound and really pulling that bird in. That box call is great. I mean, box calls are awesome, super user-friendly, very, very easy. I mean, you can give it to a five-year-old kid and call it a trick with a box call. Um, again, you're not going to be near as versatile with different sounds. Uh, you know, it's very repetitive of the same type noises. Uh, but again, it's very user-friendly. A lot of times with a certain box call, it's use one hand. So a lot of times you get a gun propped up, have that shotgun ready, and just with one hand be working working that call. So that's a, that's a benefit of that. So again, there, there, there's plus and minuses to, to all the options of those calls. Um, and then the biggest thing is separating what kind of calls you use. So that's probably the biggest thing. I use a certain call to get these animals to make noise in their roost, and I use another call to get these birds in. You do not want to use your traditional turkey call to make noise in the roost. It's a it's a clear-cut signal that something's wrong. It's dark out, and you're trying to get this bird to make noise in his roost. I don't like to use the same noise I'm going to call this turkey in with. Um, I like to have different noises. So, you know, you have a traditional call, like your traditional coyote noises. Um, there's a million things that you use to make these birds fire up out of that tree. For me, personally, again, I hate saying this. Because uh, I don't think it's, I don't really want a million people running through the woods doing this. Yeah. Uh, but a good friend of ours, 
Uh, he owns, I mean, it's, it's Robert Schmack. He owns replicas Inc. for fishing, dollars. He's one of the most advanced turkey hunters you'll ever meet. Um, we went out in the woods. I couldn't get a bird to make a noise off of a roost. He took out a boat air horn. So an air horn, you'd use yeah. in a sporting event. An air horn out of a boat. Yeah. Uh, and made the loudest noise, and I about killed him. You know, it's it's like <laughs> 5 a.m. It's quiet. Like, it's awesome. Like, you're like, we are in the woods. We are at one with nature. We found our sin. Everything's fine. All of a sudden, I mean, I just literally worked these birds for 10 minutes trying to get a bird to make a noise off the roost. Nothing. He let the air horn fly, and we had like 15 gobbles for the next mile that you could hear. Um, so, so again, they make no, they don't do any recall or any judgment or, you know, correlation between a hunter and that noise. Yeah. So they fire up between it, you know, right where they're at, you get set up, then you move into your turkey calls, and, and it works really well. So, again, I just never use the same noise as my locator call, especially when they're in the roost, first uh, when I'm actually trying to pull these birds in once they're on the ground. Yeah, that, that air horn crazy. I would never even think about that. It, it's crazy, man. It, it freaked out. He showed me that years and years ago. Every time I've done it, it works. Uh, <laughs> there's a great Bowtech video. People, people are like, you're not going to do it, are you? <laughs> but I'll tell you what, they, they fire right up to it. That's crazy. That's so crazy. Now, with with uh, with, all, with all this, are, are, are you using decoys at all in, in tandem with this, or is that something you can do, or is this, this just straight? It just uh, depends on, on your situation. Ideally, yes, I use a decoy. If I have the right situation to where I have a nice input, so again, in the perfect plan, I lose them at night, I know where they're coming, I know what they're looking to, I have that nice opening gift. I put out decoys, I suck that bird right in the decoys. It gives me a lot of time to build that perfect shot. If I'm running and gunning, um, it's one of those things that if I'm kind of chasing the birds, I'm trying to pull some birds away, um, a lot of times I don't have time to set up the decoy. So I really break it down situationally. Uh, but, yeah, the ideal situation, I love having a decoy out there. And, I mean, again, the sky's limit. You have you know, a single hand. You have some jigs. You have big streaming birds. Um, the decoy situation has really been fantastic. You know, if you're in a place where you allow an electronic decoy, you can have movement. Um, so there's a million things out there. Uh, get something lifelike. Spend the money for something really lifelike. You don't want bad colors. Um, you want it to look like a turkey. Uh, you know, one of my big favorite things, I do a lot of a hit and a jig. That's probably my favorite decoy set. You just throw two of those out there, an immature jig uh, with a hen. That's kind of the perfect world. Do some gambling behind it. Um, you know, a lot of times that's going to really let that gobbler feel that this turkey's there, feel like he's dominant, like you beat up that jake, uh, and it'll suck that bird right in. Uh, and again, just like ball cutting, though, the biggest thing is everybody wants this calling experience, um, and everybody gets a response, and then people get too carried away. Um, it's, it's very much mimicking the natural bird. If the birds are talking, you can be talking. If they're not talking, you shouldn't be talking. Right. Um, so again, don't get carried away with it. And get these and get the birds time to come in. Everybody, you know, gets a gobble, they respond back, and you know, pulse a little bit, and get another response, and they start to panic. They start to overcome. Like, it takes the birds a while to come in. Give them time to come to you. Um, you know, don't be overly excited and overcome. Give them time to come in. Um, you definitely don't want to be the one over talking in the relationship. So, uh, you know, let, let, let them give them time to come in and, you know, let curiosity build up. It'll, it'll help you out. It is just like a first date. Yeah. I mean, you come in, you talk too much. Very much. You're, you're going to annoy the crap out of, out of him or her, whoever, whatever your date you're on. And they're going to get up and walk out. 
Yeah, you don't yep. want that. You don't want that. No, exactly. And then the biggest thing is, you know, like for us here in Colorado, we're going to start soon. I mean, we're still going to have snowstorms. Um, I mean, there's a million birds that are going to get killed early. It's nice. I mean, the birds are excited. Um, you can take advantage of all phases of this breeding season. Um, you know, obviously, the gobblers, the boys, they're excited, right? Anytime you talk about breeding, the guys are always ready before the girls. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's always that opportunity of, hey, I'm hand, I'm looking, I'm ready, and it's easy to pull those birds in. But if things don't work out early, um, a lot of times that, that later season your birds get more aggressive. So the biggest thing is once the once the hens lay their eggs, it happens towards the later portion of the season, those hens are now done for. They're not in play. And those gobblers get more aggressive trying to find females that are still breedable. So the first part of the season, your big advantage is that nothing's been bred yet, um, and those gobblers are excited because it's early in the game. So that's a, that's a big window to, to pull these birds in. But as you get into that second, third week, or right after everybody's still energies up, hunters are still excited, it can get tougher because all of a sudden there's a lot of breeding going on, there's a lot of natural bird interaction, and it can be harder to kill them. Uh, and a lot of people give up. And as opposed to that third week hits around, now, you know, even the, even towards the tail end of the season, all of a sudden you start having a lot of birds that are now nested up. You have a lot of birds that, that again, are out of play hen-wise, and these gobblers are on the prowl. They're like, hey, I'm looking for that last email that I can find, um, and it presents some great opportunity and some good hunting. Um, so, again, the biggest thing, hunt hard. Don't get discouraged. Start off with a bang, but, again, it doesn't happen keep going on and again the birds are going to get more vocal as the weather gets warmer um you know so again don't get if you're going out there and it's raining and it's snowing and windy and you don't hear anything yeah by no means get discouraged i mean again the season's long keep going with it and again don't ruin your hunt don't over call don't push the birds if you have birds there and it's not right back off give them some time they'll be in the area um and hunt them when things do become a little bit better conditioned-wise. And it's just like, like the elk season. Uh, so, again, don't overcall. Don't push them. Take your time. Wait until the time's right, um, and you'll create that success. And, again, just keep an eye on where the birds are. I mean, right now, we're falling in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Our snow is melting. Every mountain road right now is muddy and wet. I love to jump on these roads right now, drive around, walk around, take a hike. Um, and you'll see these turkey tracks. It is so easy to spot these turkey tracks to where it, it's great. You know, they, again, find a nice road that's parallel in the mountain from high to low. Find a road that's halfway up on this hill. Walk around. Find tracks. Find where these birds are at. Start scouting it out. Uh, put a little pattern together. Find those roots. There's birds roosting up the night before. Um, again, think things through and you'll have a good hunt. Now, does um, the, the weather patterns, and you kind of touched on it, does weather patterns, moon phase and stuff like that affect the way these birds act? Or don't it act? does. I mean, all that kind of stuff definitely comes into effect. Uh, the biggest thing, I, I, you know, wind kills you. Wind carries sound. Wind makes them uncomfortable. You know, they can't tell when hunters are coming. Uh, so wind's the only thing I really don't want to hunt in. So if I have heavy wind, I, I bag the hunt for the day. Now, if I'm in a hunt where I travel to Kansas, I'll still hunt through those days. But ideally speaking, the nicest weather you can hunt in is going to be the ideal situation for your turkey hunt. So mm-hmm. hot, warm, dry, no wind, uh, opposite of what you want for elk. You know what okay. I mean? Yep. Just as hot yep. as you can possibly get, high bluebird days. Uh, really, really good for those turkeys. Again, they they like that warm weather. Your sounds are better. You can hear them 
coming. They feel more comfortable. Um, so yeah, again, nice, quiet, hot day uh, is really ideal. It pulls out a lot of insects. They love eating them. Uh, so yeah, the warmer, harder day, the better off for me for sure. Now, when you're when, when you're getting ready to go out there, as, as far as clothing goes, obviously you want to dress for the weather. You know, if it's going to be wet, make sure you're waterproof. If it's going to be warm, make sure you got layers on so you are walking, all that good stuff. But as far as camo, now from what I've experienced, and it's very limited, having a good set of camo, having a good pattern or something to where you're at can can help you. And and is that how do you, how do you go about pattern your clothing? Do you? Go I mean, you're you're matching you're matching your environment to a T hundred percent. So uh, I mean, again, I'm a huge fan of Mossy Oak. I mean, those guys are literally the leaders in the turkey industry. And, you know, uh, I mean, those guys out there right now. I mean, Toxie's out hunting with his dad. They got like whatever sixty something years of turkey hunts yep. below them right now. Uh, so I'm Mossy Oak to the T, and I match it to my conditions. If I'm hunting. East, you know, where I'm, you know, east of Colorado, things have been drying out. We're trying to get green. You know, I'll throw in, uh, you know, maybe an obsession pattern because it's a little bit greener. You know, if I'm hunting up in the mountains and we're still very dry, you know, I'm going with my, my breakup, I'm going with my traditional elk hunting type patterns. Um, you know, you're down that river bottoms. There's a million different patterns out there, but you are 100% are, are doing that. Now, with elk, I, I mean, I wear a camel and break it up, but I don't match my tones at all. If right. it's green out, I might wear brown. <laughs> I'm just trying to stay concealed. Right. I'm not full-blown trying to hide. Turkey's eyes are so good. In turkey hunting, I am full-blown trying to hide. It's the only time of year that you'll see me possibly wear a face mask. You might see me wear gloves. Um, I actually do in the turkey room. I'm doing everything I can to be as hidden as I possibly can. So, again, you know, the face mask, the gloves, match your environment. Know where, where you're hunting, get camera, match that type of thing. Um, you, you don't want the shiny gun. Nowadays, you need some unbelievable tapes for your gun. Mm-hmm. You can go down to Bass Pro, buy tape. You can tape your whole shotgun. Don't kill a turkey. Take that tape off, and it has no effect. The adhesive does not bother your, your barrel, your wood, anything at all. You can have the fancy shotgun in the world. You can tape it up for turkey hunt, take the tape off, and be totally fine without harming the gun. Um, so, again, yeah, concealment is, is very important in these regards. Make sure that you are staying hidden for sure. If you're in a blind, um, I go with dark camo and or black. So if I'm hunting in that blind, the darkest camo pattern, um, and or salt, black shirt, black hat. Um, you know, that kind of thing where you blend in that blind that bow drawn back or move around, get a film, uh, and get that hunt done. Are you a, are you a face painter? I try not to be. I mean, I've, uh, I've face painted a couple times for some TV shows and some commercials, but I, I'm definitely more about one for uh, face back more so than paint my face. I just get so dirty. I feel it gets everywhere. It gets all over the place. I, I don't know how women do it when they put makeup on. I have no idea. Uh, I mean, I hunt hard. The last thing I do when I get back to a hotel or back home at you know, 10 o'clock at night is have to wash off clothes and paint just to get up in three hours and go do it again. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm not a face. I mean, I, I usually am anti anything face mask or face mask. It's the only time to get me to do anything. Uh, and yeah, I, it's definitely easier for me to, you know, the same buffs that I, you know, I'll get buff in various mossy oak patterns. And, uh, it's way easier to slide that up and, and, and be done with it. And then when the day's done, to slide it down and, and I'm back into normal, the wall that's higher. Nice. Nice. Now, uh, you mentioned blinds and, um, when it comes to blinds, do you, do you like to set those up ahead of time if you can? So the turkeys get used to them, or are they not like elk or deer where you don't need to do something? In the ideal situation, 
Absolutely. So in the ideal situation, I would love to have a pattern. I would love to build a blind out of sticks, you know, where you're not using a pop-up blind, where you're just using a natural concealment like Colorado. Mm -hmm. um, I would love to have that type of thing pre-done, pre-set up. Um, but to be honest with you, our patterns change so much. I, I can't tell you the last time I've ever killed a bird out of a blind that I was able to pre-set up here uh, in Colorado. Our birds are moving, so I'm packing that that blind with me. Um, you know, some of them can get heavy. You know, so I'm clearing that blind, I'm finding that bird you know, the night before, um, and then I'm going in first thing in the morning and setting up the blind there. And then, like when you hunt Kansas, you're not allowed to leave a blind out overnight. You have to take it out at night. So like, if, you know, when it goes to birds in a lot of places around the country, you're not able to leave a blind out. So um, you know, a lot of people have those patterns. It's kind of built in place where you know you're just setting a day of. Uh, but yeah, in Colorado, I would say you're, you're more just, just playing your fight. You're, you're, you're passing the blind and, and setting up you know, day to day on, on what the patterns of both those birds are. Gotcha. Well, I mean, our season's almost here. Are you ready to go? You ready? I am ready. I, uh, I know where multiple birds are. I, uh, I don't know if I'm going to get out. Uh, on that opening day, quite as much as uh, everybody else will. But I have a bunch of birds located, and I'm sure I'll sneak out at some point. I'll, uh, I'll hopefully uh, put a couple of toms in the ground this coming to So I'll get away again. Wishing everybody luck. The biggest thing, think it through. You know, be prepared, make the most of every situation, but have a plan. Put those birds in roost, know where they're at, know where they're going. Uh, and the biggest thing, don't let excitement get the best yet. Again, make educated decisions. Education does everything. If things aren't right, don't push the envelope. Give it another day, give it another hour, whatever the case may be, um, and that will create success. Don't jump the gun. Let the birds do their thing. Uh, they're not talking, you're not talking. If they're talking, you can be talking. Uh, again, be a turkey. Um, again, and also, don't give them credit for what they are. Don't think that they're a stupid bird, an ugly bird. Um, they'll, they'll beat you every time the second you start thinking of them like that. Think of it like it's the smartest bird or animal you've ever hunted in your life. Um, again, don't make those little mistakes, and, and that's the best way to create that success. Fantastic. Well, Nate, thanks for coming on again. I really, really appreciate it. I, I, I hope to to have a, a Nate on. He's a wealth of knowledge, experience, and he's a hell of a guy too. So, uh, Nate, where, that, man. where can the, the 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 people maybe follow you? Either whether it's on social media, get a hold of you, ask you questions if that's possible. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, man, I got an Instagram account, Nate Zalewski. Basically, but uh, you know, a lot of the stuff we do is all through our partners. So, uh, you know, Bowtech Archer, we do a ton of stuff through there. You can follow all of last year's turkey hunt, watch some of those videos, see some of the stuff we're talking about. Uh, so, again, most of the content we're doing is all through the Bowtech Archery website, Facebook page, uh, and things like that. But again, Instagram, Facebook, so you can follow me there. And then we also have our fishing site, Tightline Outdoors, uh, a lot of the availability to get a hold of me through all that stuff. Fantastic. Uh, well, thanks again, Nate. I really appreciate it, and uh, good luck to you this season. And, Thank you very uh, much. Let's, uh, let's hear some success to it. I want to see the picture. Definitely, definitely, all the way around. So uh, that's going to do it today, folks, uh, for the uh, Outdoor Podcast today. Thanks for joining in. All the information that uh, uh, Nate talked about will be in the show notes. I will make sure I leave those in there, and uh, we'll look for you next time.